Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, kicking off hour number three of the show. Question we threw out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. With the hate hit rate being so low, especially in the top ten when it comes to the NFL draft, is it worth it in your mind to take a chance, swing big for the fences, or play it safe when it comes to the draft? Hit us up at 69187, keyword R&R. Again, the don'tbebroke.com text line. Right now, we'll turn our attention to the NBA as the playoffs are right around the corner and the Golden State Warriors are taking on the Kings come Saturday. And joining us now on the phone lines is Bonte Hill, Mr. Do-It-All at 95.7 The Game, the morning roast. Of course, he's on the pre and post when it comes to the Warriors game. And Bonte, before we get into the Warriors, man, I gotta say, as soon as I said that you were gonna be on the show, we got hit up talking about, Bonte don't want to talk no Raiders! Bonte don't want to talk no Raiders! What did you do, man? Raider Nation Raider Nation don't think you want to talk to your boy! <laughs> well, well, you know what? I love to talk to you, but I'm not talking about these damn Raiders who left Oakland, California, and left these Raider fans high and dry. Now, if you want me to talk Raiders, sure, I could talk some Garoppolo. You tell you, I think he's going to throw a back shoulder fade to Devontae Adams. Good luck with that one. Good luck with the Patriot Way Raider fans. If that's how y'all want to start this conversation off, I'm here for the smoke, baby. Clearly, you know where I'm at. You know where I'm at, silver and black. I ain't going nowhere. Bonte coming with the fire, coming with the heat on this Tuesday, my man. That's good, good stuff already. Always good stuff with Bonte. And you know what? When we're talking football. Let me go, let me ask you this question because I did I did inquire about this. Is it me or do 49er quarterbacks get hurt? Like, is, is there something that ha- like goes in hand in hand, like Kyle Shanahan offense and 49er quarterbacks getting hurt? Or is that honestly just a coincidence? I, I just, it, it gives me a headache just thinking about it, Q. I mean, I, I didn't, I was coming out here to talk some doves and kings, and all of a sudden I got to think about <laughs> quarterbacks dropping left and right. I mean, <laughs> I don't think it keeps happening, right? It's probably the shed ahead way. If it continues to happen, if you have subpar offensive line play or quarterbacks who don't know how to protect themselves, then it's going to be a problem, right? Now, Kyle Shanahan put Trey Lance, in my opinion, in a position to get hurt. My girl knows nothing about football, all right? We're out there at Soldier Field for week one watching Bears and Niners, and my girl couldn't tell you what a first down was. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she goes, baby, is the quarterback supposed to get hit that much? You know, <laughs> talking about Trey Lance and all the RPOs. And stuff, I was like, no, babe, he's not supposed to get hit that much. Roquan Smith was teeing off on him. And, of course, you know, second drive of the season or second drive of the game against Seattle, he, you know, he breaks his ankle because Shanahan is running him now. He doesn't know how to protect himself. Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt against Miami. I don't know. I, I don't know what Jimmy was thinking that he was going to outrun Javon Phillips or whatnot to the corner or try to break containment, but it didn't happen. Jimmy's out for the season. Brock Purdy, you know, you get a you get a tight end trying to block Hassan Reddick. Yeah, that's not going to happen much. And yet, you know, Brock Purdy gets hurt six plays into the NFC Championship game. So, um, look, man, I, it's not a coincidence if it keeps happening, right? Right. So now, and now I got to I got to talk about a quarterback battle with Sam Darnold, Trey Lance, and Brock Purdy. Oh my lord! Jeez, I'm not ready for that, Q. No, 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 I'm, I'm not either. So let's get to some NBA conversation again. Bonte Hill, brother, is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. So the Dubs are going to be playing the Sacramento Kings, and we already got a text saying, "Ask Bonte if the Warriors are flying or driving to Sacramento." It was a question you had on the morning show this morning. So are they flying or driving? 
they're driving. I got confirmation, excuse me, Q, uh, that they're taking a little charter bus or the mega bus, whatever they roll. Maybe it has some refrigerator, maybe it has some food in the refrigerator, showers. I don't know, but they're taking a bus up to Sacktown. No flight to Sacramento. Nice, nice. And you know, it's been a while since I've lived in the Bay, but I remember back in the day, man, when the Kings were, you know, they were all that when it came to basketball. They were fun. I used to like to go up to Arco Arena and check out the Kings, and that's when the Warriors weren't that good. And matter of fact, they were competing with the Lakers. So how much buzz is there right now that there is a little, you know, a Bay Area, Sacramento, little rivalry going to go on on Saturday, starting on Saturday? I mean, this may be the hottest series of the first round. Now, I know some people may argue that it's Clippers, Suns, Maybe Memphis and the Lakers. We'll see what the Lakers do later on tonight in the playing game against Minnesota. But this is hot right now. Sacramento fans want the smoke. One of our uh, cameramen at NBC Sports Bay Area, guy's name's Josh Prado. Right, he's the quietest kid. This is his second year on the cameras, and all of a sudden he's opened up. He's a big morning roast fan or whatnot, but he's also a Kings fan. Mm-hmm. He loves white chocolate. He wears his authentic jersey. He told Chris Mullen, the Hall of Famer, to his face, "We want the Warriors." And Kings fans want all the smoke right now. Wow. So it's, I mean, the, the fire's been lit. And the I-80 rivalry here now that we have, and it's going to be for the foreseeable future with the Kings be all of a sudden coming out of nowhere and descending with De'Aaron Fox and Demontis Abonis, people are going crazy. And you saw games one and two, the highest ticket price in all the NBA for the first two games uh, for this uh, up in Sacramento to go to one center. So they tickets, actually, and I can't believe this, Chase Center where the Warriors will host games three and four, you can get in for half the price you can get in for games one and two up wow. in Sacramento. So they're, they're ready to go. They're Casey and D-Lo, who are ESPN yeah. 1320. Yeah. They, they, they were talking that talk. I've been on their show. <laughs> they're, they're talking that talk. So it is going down Saturday game one at 530. I mean, both fans wanted this. Both fan bases wanted this series. Obviously, it's a regional thing. Uh, they've never met in the playoffs before together. How crazy is wow. that? Yeah. The Warriors have been in the playoffs. Kings have never been in the playoffs. The Kings are in the playoffs. Warriors have never been in the playoffs. It's just crazy. And then you get all four California teams in the NBA playoffs. And what's crazy is your former stomping grounds in the state of Texas, all three teams are not going to the playoffs for the first time in 40 years. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, these, these fan bases are going crazy. And Saturday can't get here uh, soon enough. I'll tell you right now, man, I might have to get into the car and, <laughs> and ride on up to Sacktown, man. I mean, this. You might have to, Q. <laughs> you might have to, man. It is, it is something. It's getting nasty out here. I thought Memphis and the Warriors were nasty. By the end of the series, Kings fans and Warrior fans are going to hate each other. Kings fans are calling Warrior fans the Lions fans in the world. Warrior fans are saying Kings. <laughs> There's levels to this. We've been here, done that. We've hung four bandits in the last eight years, so the trash talk is only getting hotter and hotter out here in Cali. I love it. I love it. Bonte Hill is our guest from 95.7 The Game here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And that's Sarah Ralph. Mr. Mon's got one for you. So you talked about Kings fans wanting to smoke with the Warriors, but were the Warriors looking at this matchup as, hey, we want that We want that number six seed because we know that we're going to be able to play, play the Kings at number three? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we were a lot. I mean, the Lakers were marking the Kings. Clippers yeah. were marking the Kings. Mm-hmm. Everybody had the Kings circle saying, hmm. But you know what? You know what's funny? You could discuss, you could look at the top three teams in the Western Conference. The Denver Nuggets, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Sacramento Kings. And don't, don't, don't I, believe me, I haven't forgot you a Memphis fan, so we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but uh, top three in the West, I think all those teams in the Lakers, the Clippers, the Pelicans, and the Golden State Warriors, I think they would have been happy playing either one of those teams in Memphis, Denver, and the Sacramento Kings. I think it's crazy. It's kind of flip-flop here with the top three teams in the Western Conference kind of marksman. I don't think anybody like Phoenix being on that side of the bracket or saying, if we get past the Clippers, we got no problem with the Denver Nuggets. I think 
the Warriors would have been happy playing in Denver Nuggets in the first round. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, we know the Warriors want all the smoke with Memphis, and we know about the history between those two clubs. I think the Warriors would have been cool playing the Memphis Grizzlies. However, they would have had to play in that playing game, and they would rather have that week off as opposed to playing in the playing game tonight, uh, which the Lakers and T-Wolves would do. So, Sacramento, sure. Short bus ride. Don't have to get on a plane. And remember, Draymond Green said this on his podcast, and it's extremely true. Last year, they had to go to Denver, right? Flying to Denver is not an easy flight. Then you got that long drive from the airport into downtown Denver. Then you go to Memphis, which is a four, four-and-a-half-hour flight from the West Coast. Then you go to Dallas, which is an easy flight. And, of course, that turbulent flight to Boston, which the Warriors had to go on that journey last year, it's not easy. So to start off in Sacramento just 90 minutes away for an older squad with the old four, it's beneficial to the Golden State Warriors. Heck, yeah, they circle Sacramento for that 3-6 <laughs> matchup. And then what's the status on Andrew Wiggins? I know that he was away for personal reasons, and it's not injury, but but is he in basketball shape and ready to go for the playoffs? Yeah, he's been he's been scrimmaging five on five as soon as he got back. I know he sent some trainers uh, to wherever he was at during his absence when he missed 24 straight games. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen him since before the All-Star break, so he's going to be ready to go. Now, whether he starts or not, he's still to be determined. You know, can he get in the rhythm? Can he coexist with the starting unit? Remember last year, now Steph is one of one. We all know that. Steph is one of the greatest players we've ever seen in NBA history. But Steph didn't play the final few weeks, what was it, four straight weeks, I believe, with the cash strain. Then he came back in game one of the playoffs and came off the bench. Uh, we hadn't seen Steph in a while. So he came off the bench and just kind of said, okay, I'm going to ease my way in, play 22 minutes in game one, play 21 minutes in game two against the different Nuggets last year. And then by game five, he was back in the starting unit. I have no idea what the plan is for Andrew Wiggins right away. Will he start? Will he come off the bench? I know there's hints that he may start, and you solidify, you solidify your bench with uh, DiVincenzo, Kaminga, Jordan Poole, um, and, and, of course, Kevon Looney, if he does come off the bench. So Wiggins is in shape. He's scrimmaging five on five. He's in good spirits. It's about getting his cardio up. Boy, they come right back into the playoffs after not playing since – Mid-February, it's a dangerous game of Warriors to play with Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, no, there really is. And, I mean, he was, in my opinion, I know Steph was the MVP and Steph is Steph, as you mentioned, one-on-one. He's fantastic. But Wiggins was really an X-factor yeah. last year in the success. Who is the X-factor, in your opinion, this year? Wow, that's that's a great question, Q, because uh, you're right. Andrew Wiggins in those finals are special, 18-9, and nine, locking up Jason Tatum. There's no doubt they don't win that championship without him. There's a couple X-factors here. Because I do believe DiVincenzo playing for that money, he's got a lot of confidence right now. Uh, over the last five games, he's shooting over 50% from the three-point line. To me, it's Jordan Poole and Jonathan Kaminga. Jordan Poole offensively can give you that boost off the bench. And, and the numbers haven't been pretty when he comes off the bench as opposed to starting. When he starts, which has been in uh, 43 games, he averages nearly 25 points per game. When he comes off the bench, he averages around 15 points per game. So how can you get that same production in about seven less minutes of action. That's going to be a key because if Steph or Clay gets into foul trouble or if they don't have it going, Jordan Poole's the one guy who can create his own shot and get to the free throw line, which he did last Friday night against Sacramento. Even though Sacramento wasn't playing anybody, it might as well have been the Stockton Kings or G League affiliate. <laughs> Jordan Poole didn't make a shot. He was 0-10 from the floor and 0-6 from the three-point line. However, he got to the free throw line nine times. So he's going to be one of my X factors. And then it's Jonathan Kaminga. This 20-year-old can do no wrong right now. He's shooting over 50% from the three-point line since January 1st. Um, excuse me, 45% from the three-point line since January 1st. Uh, his shot discernment has been really good. And defensively, he can guard one through four and at times one through five. And he could pick up 94 feet. And he's probably the most athletic player on the Warriors. And, heck, one of the t- ten most athletic players in the NBA. So those two guys right there and what they produce off the bench – 
the Warriors are going to be depend on them, uh, dependent on them to be able to guard. Like, De'Aaron Fox is a problem. So if Wiggins can't get Fox, if he can't check Fox, Kaminga's going to be a guy to be asked to guard De'Aaron Fox or some of their lethal shooters, guys who could penetrate. And as well, and if the Warriors get past the Sacramento Kings, you're looking at LeBron James, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, guys like that, maybe Kevin Durant. Kaminga's going to be counting on to guard those guys. He's 6'8", you know, he's 220, he's athletic. You saw the dunk Sunday against <laughs> Portland. Yes. So those two guys right there are big-time X-Factors for the Warriors in this postseason run. What did you think when you saw that dunk? Because I know what I thought, and I can't say it on the radio. Oh, yeah, I, I went crazy in the studio. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> watch the head. I mean, Festus was filming, and I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. I was out of my seat. I almost lost it. But that's what he does, and he's been doing that ever since he's been drafted by the Golden State Warriors. And it was really heads. It really boggled my mind early in the season. Why is this guy getting DMPs? Why is Steve Kerr not playing him? He's messing with his confidence. Once he got back from a right ankle sprain earlier this season, uh, and it happened in 2023, obviously, he's been good. And he's been earning minutes. Steve Kerr stuck with him. I thought a key point uh, happened a couple weeks ago against the Pelicans. Warriors are down 20. Kaminga picks up two quick fouls. And Steve Kerr showed growth. He trusted Kaminga. If that happened, say, in January, and he picked up two quick fouls, Kaminga's probably not playing the rest of the game. But it said Steve Kerr said, okay, I'm going to go to you again in the second half, Rook. Are you going to be ready to go? And Kaminga ended up playing 31 minutes in that basketball game and had a big-time impact dunking the basketball, being up Brandon Ingram, uh, being physical on the glass. So uh, Steve Kerr showing his trust in Jonathan Kaminga, and Kaminga growing as that guy who could possibly replace Otto Porter Jr. from a season ago and mm-hmm. do actually a lot more things than Otto Porter Jr., which is handling the ball, hitting the three, getting on the glass, dunking on people's heads. I mean, it's a big, it's a good sign for the Golden State Warriors heading to the postseason, having Jonathan Kuminga ready to go. And obviously, he didn't play last season in the postseason, so he got to sit and watch. This is his time to show what he's all about in this postseason. What player from the Kings concerns you the most, and are you worried about the Harrison Barnes revenge game? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Harrison Barnes, it is a factor. He is a factor. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts with De'Aaron Fox, because I think Sabonis will get his numbers. You know, he's going to get his 20. He's going to get his 10 rebounds. He led the NBA in rebounding. But I think Looney does a good job. And Looney, obviously, you know, uh, I don't know if people know this, but Looney led the NBA in offensive rebounding. I mean, he had the most offensive rebounds for a Golden State Warriors since Eric Dampier, which was nearly 20 years ago. <laughs> so Looney's been good. He's had 35 games, games in which he's grabbed at least 10 rebounds in a game. So uh, Looney and Sabonis and Draymond and Sabonis, those would be matchups you want to stay out of foul trouble. But it all starts with De'Aaron. You have to keep him out the paint. If he lives in the paint and he gets to the lane and he blows by defenders, whether it's Gary Payton II, whether it's Wiggins or Kaminga or Dante DiVincenzo, then all of a sudden he collapses that defense and they have nothing but shooters. You mentioned Harrison Barnes, but I'm worried about Keegan Murray and Red Velvet, uh, Red Velvet, Kevin Horder. Those guys can shoot it, man. And Keegan Murray, obviously the, uh, the rookie out of Iowa, number four overall pick, he broke the record for most threes for a rookie. He broke Steph's record. So this guy can flat-out shoot it. And then you got Malik Monk coming in off the bench if you let Fox get into the paint. I mean, you got to keep him out and make him a shooter. Say, you know what, De'Aaron, I'm going to make you hit the three. And if you hit the three, then we'll live with it. But i got to keep you out the paint because if he collapses that defense, all of a sudden the short corner threes, the strong side corner threes, guys on the wings, it's going to be open all day long because Sacramento's a top-10 team when it comes to three-point makes, when it comes to three-point percentage, and when it comes to three-point attempts. They shoot it just like the Warriors, so you do not want Fox living in that paint. He concerns me, and that's the guy. He's ahead of the snake. you got to chop off that head if you want to win this series. 
insecurity is always loud. Has Draymond <laughs> talked more about <laughs> that tweet? <laughs> oh, man, Draymond Green, the gift that keeps on giving, right? He's got the beef with Rudy Gobert. It goes back to their DPOI days when they were battling for DPOI awards. I mean, they give Gobert credit for saying, hey, he got called something that, you know, we can't repeat on these airwaves, but he stood up for himself. So uh, that, that is always funny. Draymond Green is a gift that keeps on giving again. I know he rubs people the wrong way nationally. I know nationally people like, this guy's Mr. Triple Single. What kind of impact does he really have? Well, let me tell you, the Warriors don't win four championships without Draymond Green. He's invaluable to this franchise and to this team, the way he moves the ball. And what's crazy is in a regular season, all time in a regular season, when Draymond Green scores at least 10 points in a game, the Warriors win 78% of the time. So that means if he's aggressive offensively and he's just willing to take shots, the Warriors are that much better. They're nearly unbeatable when he's aggressive offensively. So forget all the chatter because he's going to talk. He's going to talk all day long. He's already talked about winning game one in Sacramento and getting in their heads and crushing their spirits and whatnot. That's what Draymond does. Yeah. That's why he's the gift that keeps on giving, and he's good for the league in that sense. But when he's aggressive because Mike Brown, here's another tactic. I think Mike Brown knows that Draymond Green, he's hesitant to shoot. So we're going to leave him open all day long. What are you going to do with that, Draymond Green? And that's why I think Steve Kerr on the other side is going to make the adjustment, and you're going to see a lot of small ball with go to State Warriors where they have just one big on the floor. I'm not sure this is a series where you can play both Looney and Draymond together because Mike Brown knows those are two front court players who are not willing to shoot the basketball. And you can ill afford to play three on five in this series against Sacramento. So, you know, Draymond's going to talk that talk, but he, you know, offensively, he's going to have to walk that walk in this series against the Kings. There's no doubt. He is so important to the success of the Golden State Warriors. Final two questions for you. Have they solved their road woes that they had throughout the course of the season, especially after putting up those last couple games that they had, including 55 in the first quarter against the Blazers? Yeah, that was wild, right? Beating the Blazers by 56 points, tied the <laughs> franchise record. I mean, it was, it was just insane. They had 47 assists against the Blazers. I don't even know if that was their D squad, man. They could have called some dudes right. from Portland University, Portland State Vikings, called up the University of Oregon Ducks, some Beavers, said, hey, you guys go out there and play. I mean, it was a joke. Um, the road thing, though, they lost so many games early on by a possession or two, especially on that opening five-game road trip where they went 0-5, and they lost in the last, they lost in overtime in Charlotte. They lost in the last possession in Miami, in Orlando. Um, I think it's a total reset, and they know how to win on the road. If they're leading in the last five minutes of the basketball game on the road, they're going to win that game this year. There's no doubt. They're going to flip that switch. And you've got to think about it. Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry, when they're together, they've won a road game in 27th Street Series, an NBA record. All right? That's an NBA record. They've won a road game in 27 straight series, and they've won in every environment, whether it's Houston and that late-arriving crowd or Cleveland where everybody's worried about them uh, figuring out a way to lose, or if it's Oklahoma City and Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and that crazy fan base. They've won in every single environment, down 3-1, down 3-2. And think about last year, uh, Boston, game four and six. They won those games on a parquet floor. Mm -hmm. They shut that crowd up. So I think this year the role was, yeah, it's been a problem. They're splits at home. Like, they're 33-8 and eight at home, and they're a top-10 ten, top ten defense in the NBA at home at Chase Center. But on the road, they're a bottom-five team. <laughs> I do think they figure it out on the road, especially in this series, and they still a game or two uh, on the road. So I think they'll be fine. All right, they got to do it. They got to do it. Of course, I'll be paying attention from a distance. Definitely uh, 
Turn on the Golden State Warriors. I want them to win, but they got to find a way to steal a couple, like you mentioned, on the road. Bonte, final question for you. This might be the most important one coming from Sir Whiskey Ray on our Don'tBeBroke.com text line. He said, please ask Bonte, who's the better wingman, Daryl the Guru Johnson or Dan Dibley? Much love to, much love to the guys at 95.7 The Game. Oh, it's Daryl the Guru Johnson. No, Dan Dibley stabbed me in the back, man. Dan Dibley has a bunch of eyes in his name because he's all about I. Uh, I'm riding with Guru and Shotgun all day long, man. All day. I mean, you could you could send this audio to Dan Dibley. He got <laughs> send it to him. He will stab you in the back. Like, he is not a good teammate. He sides with the referees. You can't trust a dude who sides with officials and referees. That, to me, is a snitch. That comes from the school of snitching. <laughs> you cool with the referees, man? You talk about, oh, come on. Imagine a guy riding for Scott Foster and Tony Brothers and Mark Davis and John Goble and Natalie Sago. The fact that I know these refs' names is a problem. <laughs> and Dan Dibley rides with them. Give me Daryl the Guru Johnson all day long. Come on, Q. There Come it, on, baby. Hey, there it is right there. There it is. You heard Bonte Hill speak. Daryl the Guru Johnson again. Another one of my brothers there at 95.7 <laughs> The Game. Bonte, fantastic stuff as always, man. What you got coming out in the morning roast tomorrow that we should be on the lookout for? Well, we got more Warriors and Kings. Obviously, we got to talk about the stinking Giants. They can't win at home. They want to play at home. They can't hit. They can't pitch. They're a disaster. They're not athletic in the league. That's getting more athletic. I mean, it is depressing watching the Giants. But, hey, at least baseball is finishing games in two hours and 15 minutes, two hours and 20 minutes, so we get to breeze by that. So I'm <laughs> cool with that. But, more, we're we going to be reacting to the playoff talk, uh, the play-in tournament, obviously, which starts today, uh, Lakers and T-Wolves, and, of course, the Hawks and Heat. So we'll be all over that, man. We're in playoff mode up here in 95-7 the game in the Bay Area. There you go. We'll keep holding down, man. You guys are doing a fantastic job, and I appreciate catching up with you whenever I get the opportunity, my man. Hey, I appreciate you, Q, and everybody at Raider, uh, Raider Nation Radio, all you guys up there doing a the damn thing, man, every afternoon. And Raider fans, I still got love for you. You know that. <laughs> My best days probably as a journalist was going to the Coliseum and covering those Raider teams. Y'all showed me a lot of love, and I got a lot of love for y'all. Trust me. Have fun with Jimmy Garoppolo. I got no ill will towards him, and I hope the Raiders. Man, the NFL is better when the Raiders are good. Let's just be honest, man. I want you guys to be good. Shut down Patrick Mahomes. Shut the Chargers up. And make sure Sean Payton doesn't and Russell Wilson don't be talking about, what, what is, let's ride, Russell Wilson. Come <laughs> yeah. on, Raider fans. Do us all the talent and shut them up. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Bonte, great stuff, brother. There he goes. Bonte Hill, 95-7 the game, the morning tailgate. Right there. See? Got morning morning roast, I should say. The morning tailgate's here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Excuse me for that. But, yeah, uh, Bonte is my guy. Uh, not mad at him at all. He's been uh, been rocking with me for a really long time. Definitely appreciate him. And, man, the, the Warriors and the Kings, That I'm telling you, that's going to be interesting. When I say I should ride up to Sacramento and te- check that out, I ain't lying. I really am thinking about riding up to Sacramento and checking that game out. Man, Sacramento, you wouldn't want to go to the Warriors home games, three and four? No, nah, Sacramento, I think it's good because it's been so long. I think that crowd, man, I used to go to the Arco Arena. That was fun. The Arco Arena was bananas, man, and they don't even play in the Arco Arena anymore. It's called something else, and I think it's a different building now. It's been a long time since I've been to Sacramento. But, man, it used to be nuts. I went there. My dad had me go scalp some tickets one time. Uh, when they were playing the Suns, he gave me a certain amount of money. He was like, go make it work. You know, like they said on Friday, <laughs> make it work. <laughs> he gave Ain't me, enough. Yeah, make it enough. Yeah, he gave me some money. He said, go get us a couple seats. And he said, don't try to buy any tickets from the police. <laughs> no pressure, Dad. No pressure. So I had to try to scout these tickets. I had to try to find the guy that was the undercover that was trying to sell you. So you got to stay away from the guy that says, hey, I got tickets for sale. I got tickets, you know, because then you know that that's the guy. Of course. So you stay away from him. But I was able to hustle. I got him. 
I knew what I was doing. Pops knew who to send. He that knew. is, real quick, that, that blows my mind. That is such a 20th century thing right there. What, scalping tickets? Yes. Well, they don't do it no more? No, but it seems like I'm just picturing a sitcom where it's like, hey, you got to get some tickets. And, yeah. then you, and then it's the undercover cop, and then like, oh, no. Yeah, I, I never, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. I never got caught. I, I did it a few times. We used to do it. We used to hustle them at the, uh, at the Coliseum all the time. Raider fans will tell you that. We used to do it at the Coliseum all the time. Walk across the bridge, and you buy all the tickets. My, me and my buddy Daniel, we'd walk across the bridge, and we'd buy the tickets, and we'd sell the tickets, and we'd buy some more tickets before we crossed all the way over to the other side of the bridge, right? We'd start there at the BART station and start hustling tickets. Then by the time we got all the way on the other side, we, we had already flipped those tickets for more so we can get some snacks and food, and then we'd buy some other tickets so we could actually get in. But we're good. That's how you do it. Sounds like a plan, man. Man, man. <laughs> These apps, they don't know what they're talking about. No. Just talk to the guy that's outside. Yeah, man. You, you know, it's, 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 it's harder to, I think it's harder to do all that kind of hustling now, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. I yeah, remember, I'll always remember this at Allegiant Stadium. Sorry to sorry to whoever this person was, but they came with some physical tickets and they're like, I just bought them from a guy. And then whoever is at the ticket at the mm-hmm. box office is like, they're only digital tickets here. <laughs> I'm not laughing at them. I'm <laughs> laughing with them. That must, man, I hate how they would have felt. They're listening right now, like, damn you, Damon. 426 at the time. We'll come back. We'll turn our attention back to the NFL. Nikki Latarulo, sports reporter at WSMV4 Nashville, joins the show. This is Randish Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Our good friend Gizmo hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line. 69187, keyword r by the way. The league is better when the Raiders are good is a low-key dish. You say for every poor performing team, I'm taking that line as offensive. And I don't know about you, I do believe the league is better when the Raiders are better. Uh, so I don't take it offensively. I think that there's a lot of teams across many different sports that that league is particularly better when they are good. So I don't take it that way. Maybe it was the messenger that you're uh, you're offended by, but I don't think that that's a low-key diss. Maybe I'm wrong, but there's that. When the Jacksonville Jaguars are bad, ain't nobody saying, man, the league will be better right, if the exactly. Jaguars were good. Yeah, nobody gives a rip when the Jaguars are, are bad at all. Nobody ever says that. So I don't take it as offensively, but I get it. Sometimes there's something you got to get offended about at all times. Join us now on the phone lines from a parking garage near you, Nikki Latarulo from Sports <laughs> a Sports Reporter at WSMV4 Nashville. And, Nikki, thanks so much for your time. I do appreciate you, and it was so funny. I almost texted you like it. Midnight, I think your time, because I saw that uh, on the clock with the Mannings on ESPN, and you appeared at the very end of it talking about Hendon Hooker. How many people hit you up to tell you that they saw you on that show? So one guy that I that was like my sister's friend from college, I saw in my inbox. I'm like, why is he messaging me? Like, I haven't seen this guy in years. And he's like, I just saw you on, on ESPN talking about Hendon Hooker. And I was like, what? And then, like, when I woke up, a bunch of people were like, Hey, you were at ESPN, so I was like, let me go find this. So then I went back and found it, and I was like, that's so funny. But, yeah, you never know where people are going to pull your videos from. No, never, never. And you were delivering the news that Hendon Hooker and his Tennessee career was officially over after the ACL tear, and that was unfortunate. He was a hell of a player for Tennessee. And that's what I really wanted to ask you about was we saw how good he was, the numbers that he put up. How special was he there at Tennessee? I mean, I feel like just watching him on TV never did him any justice until I saw – it didn't do justice for me until I saw him in person. And I was like, this guy is good. Especially um, I was at the Florida game and then we were at the Alabama game. But I feel like the Florida game was the initial point in the season when everyone was like, wow, this Tennessee team actually, like, has a chance. And then they have the number one ranking. Um, His, like, accuracy, his – 
his footwork. He looks like a veteran in the pocket. Um, he was the reason that one of the biggest reasons as why that team was as good as it was last season. And I think if he didn't go go down with that ACL injury, it could have been like a totally different outcome for them. Yeah, no, they were really good. They really, and he was a, a main reason why. Again, we're talking with Nikki Latarulo here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Of course, he's going to be a first-round uh, draft pick as far as the quarterbacks go, I think. You know, we, we will see April 27th, but I believe he's going to go in the first round. Well, what was he as far as, because he seemed like on the show that I was watching, the on the clock, he seemed like just a hell of a dude and that he was a really good leader as well. What, what, what was your impressions of him? I think he was just that. I think everyone that, had covered him, had nothing but good things to say um, about him just as a guy. And you saw that when when he went down, his roommate was the quarterback that filled his role. And when they came to Vanderbilt, um, Vanderbilt's final regular season, well, yeah, they didn't go to bowl game, so their final game of the season, They, you could see them on the sideline how happy he was for Joe, his roommate, and like his best friend. And I think that was kind of when it all showed up for what because a lot of people are good dudes when they're doing amazing and the media is only having good things to say about you because you're performing well but then you go down and now your season's over and you don't know what this looks like for your future and you're on the sidelines with your best friends like doing your handshakes and just like pumping up the team he had a surgery was still out there on his like little scooter and stuff so I think he just like he's one of those guys that's all for his team and you can't be. You can only be happy for him when you see the success he's going to have. And um, I know whether he's taken first or last, he's going to have an impact on a team. Whether it's being their franchise quarterback or just helping them, whatever in the future. I think he's one of those guys that will make an an immediate impact um, on and off the field. When it comes to Hendon Hooker, you mentioned being at that Alabama game. What do you think that did for the mystique or building up the legend of Hendon Hooker as an all-time great <laughs> Tennessee quarterback? Because, yep. I mean, 52-49 over Bama in Tennessee has to be one of the most legendary performances, right? Yeah, and I think Tennessee fans were obviously let down for a few years, and I think Hendon kind of gave them that like glimpse of, like, we're back. Like, this is the team – like when Manning was the quarterback, like this is this is like what we come to UT for. This is why we're Vol Nation, um, and I think that that game just like solidified it for them. And then to watch him go down, it was just like the fan base like felt that one. But I think that the Alabama game was the first time they beat them in like forever. So without Hendon, they don't do that. Um, so to see him like get up with the band and you know do like. Uh, leading whatever it's called conducting mm-hmm. I don't know but they like loved that and I mean everyone in Rocky Top loves him and I don't think that there's anything bad anyone could say about him no I don't think so either again Nikki Latarulo is our guest here sports reporter at WSMV4 in Nashville on Radio Nation Radio 920 and you know uh, obviously that that winning that that Florida game was huge that was something even Peyton Manning hadn't done but uh, he went ahead and, and got that done and I know Nikki you got to Baylor I, I believe I'm correct uh, in the Matt Rule era so you weren't there for the Art Briles era but there's a lot of times that that uh, you know that that offense that he was in and Hendon Hooker was in in Tennessee is often compared to the Art Briles offense and how that doesn't really translate to the NFL. Do you think that his game, just from what you've seen from even from a distance, uh, translates to the NFL? I do. I think he, if anything, the ACL and the age is what I'm. No, I'm hearing people are the most like concerned about. I think that should be the least anyone's concerned about. I think he's mature. I think he looks like a veteran in the pocket. 
he's so poised. He does not turn the ball over at all. I think he threw, well, I know, he threw five picks in his career at Tennessee. Like, <laughs> that, those numbers are just incredible. I don't, I don't think that the way their style of play was at Tennessee should affect the way he's looked at as a quarterback because look at the two teams he was on. Like, both years, he they had success, and that success they hadn't had in a while. So I don't. I think it has a lot to do with him. And uh, he, if he has someone to throw the ball to, he'll get them the ball. And I think he also is a dual threat. So he's fast. He can do it on his own. And I think he'll benefit any NFL team that's willing to give him a chance. I think he's better than Anthony Richardson. I think he's better than Will Levis. Um, will he get picked before them? I don't know with what people. Are, people are concerned about with the ACL and the age and whatever. Um, but I personally think he will be better in the NFL than both of those guys. All right, I want to change the conversation to the Tennessee I like it. Titans. It's almost a hot take. I like it. Oh, I man, like it. Yeah. Nikki, Nikki coming from the top <laughs> rope. I like it. Good stuff. <laughs> but I want to talk about those Titans because everybody knows that I'm a big Titans fan. When I was recently in Tennessee, I got a little vest. I feel like Mike Vrabel when I wear it around oh, the house. Um, <laughs> but Jeffrey Simmons, he got that new contract extension. Was there ever, was there ever any doubt that maybe this deal wasn't going to get done? No, I don't think so. I think that Jeff was always going to be in Tennessee. I think there was obviously negotiations, and then we saw like the unfollow, the follow, the taking <laughs> down of the – you know, the Instagram bio, but I think that's just like how it is these days with like agents and negotiations. And it's just like the Gen Z type of situation with uh, the negotiations. But I think that Rand Carthon wasn't going to come in and let Jeff walk. I think he's someone they need on the team um, and they need him for a while. So with how many pieces they need, I think the last thing they would have wanted to do is let him go somewhere else. And then with that number three pick that the Cardinals have, look out! Now, Titans, now we're talking. Now the we're talking. Titans, like they've seen to be getting in that conversation for being a team that might trade up to number three. Is that really something that's being talked about in in Nashville? I think I hear both. I hear. I understand why it seems like a possibility because uh, Arizona GM Monty Osafort was was in Tennessee, so there's a relationship there. They don't need a quarterback. If the Titans do trade up, they get their potentially their franchise guy, and then they get it before Indy, and Indy needs one too. And then everyone, if they don't get a franchise quarterback, everyone in their division now has one minus them. So I get why it's being talked about. Do I think any of the quarterbacks other than the top two are worth trading up for this year? I don't personally think so. I think they need other things before they worry about the quarterback. That's my opinion. I think they need a receiver. I think they need an offensive lineman. I don't know what you would do with a franchise quarterback when you then don't have the pieces to work with them. Um, but I understand why it's being talked about, and I understand why that would make sense with Monty being their GM and Indy then potentially getting that quarterback. But I don't know if I see it happening. Is there – or I don't want to say is there, do you believe that Malik Willis could eventually be that guy? I don't know. Boom. There you go. Cold. I, yeah, I mean, I, like, I don't either. I don't, I don't think – I 
think he might grow as a backup guy and, like, if they need someone to step in, like, maybe. But from what I saw from him last year, and he's a great dude, don't get me wrong. Like, he's someone you want on your team. Like, he's a good dude. But the fact that they went out and got Josh Jobs, like, I don't think they really even have, like, the the thought that he could become a franchise quarterback. The, the fact that there's even talks about them trading up, that doesn't come from nowhere. Right. So it's like... I don't think anyone thinks that he's going to become that. I, I think he'll be like a backup guy. But I, if I were them, I think Ryan has enough potential to be fine for another year, and then you go figure out what who he's going to throw the ball to. You can have a franchise quarterback, but who is he throwing to? Right. So I, you can't just rely on Derek. No, it's there's true. A lot of, there's a lot of moving parts. I'm interested to see how it will go because I feel like I hear different things every day. So basically, Malik Willis is a guy that you'd go to the mall and, and pick out an outfit with, but you're not going to wear that outfit out with him. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, I'm just saying, Tamad, you got any more? <laughs> I was going to ask me, staying on the topic of quarterbacks for the Titans, Ryan Tannehill, how much time left does he have with the Titans? I think if his ankle is okay, I don't think he's going downhill. Like, I think he's fine. Is he the best quarterback? No. But he gets the job done. They've gone to the AFC Championship with him. He can he could throw the ball. He's mobile. He's, he's like, he knows what's going on. He's fine. It's just the ankle injury and then not having a backup guy was the problem for the Titans last year. Plus, they had no one. Everyone was injured. They had no one who could catch the ball, pretty much. So... I don't really think any of the blame has to go on Ryan for last season because he was out most of the end of the season. I think if they can, if he's completely healthy and they can get receivers and they can get a line, I think the Titans are fine. I don't think it's Ryan Tannehill. I don't think he's as bad as people give him hate for. And Kevin Byard, are the rumors true that maybe he wants out of Tennessee? Are there some scuttlebutt about his contract? No, I think, well, I don't know, but I think, and I've, heard directly from Kevin, like, not after the season, but, like, during the season, that he wants to be here. Like, he, this is personal for him. He went to MTSU. Like, he wants to be a Titan forever. Whether they went to him for a contract, like, pay cut, I don't know exactly if that's true. But I don't think that Kevin wants to leave Tennessee. From what I know from him during the season, the things he said, like, he's the leader, one of the leaders on that team. He's one of the best guys you'd want on your defense. So I don't think that he wants out. I don't know what is true and what's not true about them asking if he can take a pay cut. Well, it's going to be interesting. Tennessee, again, sitting there at number 11. I'm interested to see what they do in this upcoming draft. We've heard all the rumors. (laughs) Right? We've heard all the rumors and reports. And I'll tell you this, Nikki, it was fantastic in Nashville when the draft was there. It'll be in Kansas City this year. You're familiar with Kansas City, very much familiar with Kansas City. Are you headed to the draft? I am not. I wish I was, but I, I feel like I've spent too much time in Kansas City <laughs> for when I was in Waco, we covered the Big 12 championship there. We were there for like two weeks. I was like, oh, God, you know, I, I think I might need a break from Kansas City at this point. Right. No doubt. I, well, it's funny. The only time I've ever been to Kansas City was when I was in Waco covering Baylor, and it was right when the pandemic hit. So we got off the plane. We we did oh, one yes. radio. Yeah, we did one radio show and got back on the plane and flew back to Waco. 
Yep. Oh, I remember that really vividly. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to go back to that anytime no. soon. Well, Nikki, great stuff. It's always great to catch up with you, and it was cool seeing you uh, last night on uh, on whatever the on the clock is what it's called on ESPN. So great stuff. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. You too. There goes Nikki Latarulo, sports reporter at WSMV for Nashville. And, yeah, she was around for those uh, get off the plane, do a show, and head back on the plane and head back to, uh, to Central Texas. Not very fun when it came down to the pandemic. But there you go. Um, she's not buying the, the trade up to number three to go get a quarterback. I'm a little skeptical. I really do think that Tennessee is going to be players, but I think there's a lot of teams that could be potential players, and especially after we talked about what we talked about throughout the course of the show today, just the fact that there's been so many hit or misses. Sometimes it might be more important just to go go swing for the fences. If you think you can go big, like we you know we had the call about, hey, man, got to compete with Patrick Mahomes and others in the, in the AFC, and you think that a guy like Richardson could do that, or if a guy that you're comfortable with in, in C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young happens to fall three, I think somebody's going to make that move. I don't know who it's going to be. I think someone's going to make that move, and we'll see what happens. Right? I mean, we've learned that it's, 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 it's no science to this drafting thing. It's just it kind of is what it is. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit of luck that you need to have. 4.45 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. We've had a very busy show today. Appreciate all the guests that we've had from Gilbert Manzano, John McClain, Stacey Joe Ross, Bonte Hill, and we just talked to Nikki Lotterulo. Very, very busy show. And, of course, Raider Nation, we talked to you as well, 702-365-9200, and a lot of feedback on our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r We definitely appreciate all that as well. Let's keep the party rolling as we close out the show. Let's talk to one of our good friends, Shields. Up, oh, Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Q, how you doing, man? I'm blessed, man. How are you? Good. I just want to, first off, I want to say, uh, as a proud resident of the state of Connecticut, congratulations to our Connecticut Huskies. That was an awesome win, man. <laughs> um, so, uh, that big was, win, that was big really, win. Really good. Yep. Oh, unbelievable. The defense. Yep. You. The deep, the hustle was just. They know what they're doing, man. When they get to a certain point of the tournament, they got that DNA where they know how to get it done. Yeah. It, it, it's just, it, it's just amazing. But, being squeezed between Boston and New York, we don't have a, a pro football team or a pro baseball <laughs> team. We got some hoops, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, on your high risk um, swinging for the fences, I say we stick a seven. And if uh, Carter's there, uh, we got to get him. I know, you know, you were mentioning your press shows about uh, at the, the Orange meeting, there's been some rumblings about character and everything else. He's 21, he's young. If we could just time, you know, scoop him up in the draft, uh, put him with uh, Max Crosby. You know, Max has got mm-hmm. that awesome, great work ethic, great character. You know, I think I don't think it'll work out. And then um, if we enter the second round, and Hendon Hooker's there, I say we give up, we trade our second, give up a three, one of our threes and one of our fives, and get him. And 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 just you know trade trade down lower in the second round, and after we get Hendon, then we just get that linebacker at the Campbell or Sanders from Arkansas. We we just keep we keep the defense chain rolling, man. But those two, um, I think those two swinging for defenses in Carter, and then Hendon Hooker, man. I think I think that'd be perfect, man. And uh, as always, thank you for taking my call and uh, shields up, man. 
Boom, there it is. Great call. Appreciate you, my man. And, uh, yeah, you know, and it's funny, when you mentioned Jalen Carter, and I know uh, everyone has their own feelings about Jalen Carter, and that's fine, uh, but I- I'll say this. Just his talent alone, take everything else out of it, and I know you can't do that, but, it, I mean, just for this, we are. The dude is everything that the Raiders have needed from the interior of the defensive line for a very long time. I mean, there's no denying that. And the one thing I wonder, and Shields Up brought it up, the one thing I wonder is how he would do with a leader like Max Crosby and also a leader like Chandler Jones. And I know Chandler Jones didn't get it done on the field. Only had four and a half sacks last season. I get that. But I just wonder how those two leaders, those bookends, how they can keep them kind of similar to what Shields Up said. You know, hey, this is how we work. This is how you're a pro. With that work ethic, could they could they help him mature into a really good pro moving forward? Again, like Shields Up said, he's only 21 years old. Only 21, and I'm glad you mentioned Chandler Jones alongside Max Crosby because both of those guys on the line, were they're coming at it from two different angles. You can have Max speaking about his sobriety and Chandler Jones his older brother, John Jones, has had some right. you know, so many it's legal troubles. So he can give him the, the like, I can tell you what it does to my family when you want to be that top athlete and it knocks you off your game because you think that you're untouchable because you're still performing at a high level. So those two guys, when people say he wouldn't fit, he would have the two guys in that defensive yep. line room that could just tell him from both sides of the spectrum about how we can help you and we can keep you on the straight and narrow. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point, and, and that's I do think that's something to be considered, right? I mean, we talk about it all the time. I say Seattle is a perfect place for Jalen Carter because I think that they have the right culture. I wouldn't doubt that the right culture is Max Crosby and, and Chandler Jones. I really wouldn't. Again, for my money, and it's just me, if I had to make the pick, I wouldn't pick him. But then again, as I mentioned before, scared money don't make money, and I'm definitely scared money. Right, I mean, there's there's no doubt about it, and and that's why I don't have to worry about it. I'm, I'm not doing that job. All I gotta do is come in here and talk about it, and talk about what the you know what the player actually brings to the table and what he could be with the Raiders moving forward. But I do think it's something that Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels, I think it's something that Patrick Graham and everyone's talking about, and I'm sure Mark Davis is involved in the conversations as well. Just because of the stuff that's going on off the field, you cannot ignore it. You just can't. But I mean, as far as legal trouble, he's not in any. He's already served his, uh, you know, whatever, uh, you know, his punishment was going to be. He's already taken care of it. It's two misdemeanors. So that doesn't have to be uh, talked about because it's not going to be revisited. So it's a great conversation to have. And Shields Up, we definitely appreciate that feedback. And, again, we appreciate all the feedback we received on the don'tbebroke.com text line and also the phone line as well. So we'll be back tomorrow, 2 to 5 p.m., holding it down. And make sure you wake up with the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., right here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Have a great evening.